HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Appeal. Appeal is a plant-based protective layer that helps produce last up to twice as long. Learn more at appeal.com. Welcome to The Big Food Question, a podcast exploring the most urgent questions from a food industry in crisis. I'm Hannah Forden, one of this show's producers and HRN's program manager. Today, we're asking, how can growing your own food address issues of food sovereignty and access? The pandemic has brought long-standing issues of food access and insecurity to the forefront. While hunger and lack of access to affordable and healthful food is by no means a new problem in this country, more and more individuals and families in our community are struggling to put food on the table. While systemic changes and government support are greatly needed, grassroots efforts are taking the lead on addressing this problem. Today, we're taking a look at how nonprofit organizations, farmers, and individuals are offering growing expertise to their communities to empower more of us to grow our own food. Connecting eaters with farmers and their wealth of knowledge is an important pipeline to deepen our cultural understanding and ownership of the food we eat. You, dear listener, can be part of this change by making the relatively simple choice to grow food in a backyard, community garden, fire escape, or windowsill. You can change the way you eat, and maybe even the food system as a whole. Let's begin by looking at one regionally focused nonprofit that is tackling these issues. I'm Kathleen Finley. I'm the president of the Glenwood Center for Regional Food and Farming. Glenwood's mission is to build a robust and healthy regional food system. And we do that in kind of three primary ways. We train new entry farmers, both on our campus here near Cold Spring, New York, and through our incubator program throughout the Hudson Valley. We do a number of educational workshops for a wide variety of folks, including food and farming professionals here at Glenwood. And then we build coalitions, which are groups of professionals that work together to advance their sector. In the wake of COVID, like so many of us, we, you know, quickly 
huddled and tried to figure out a variety of things that we could do as an organization to respond to what was happening. And we've been working on food access issues in a couple of different ways. During World War II, there was a campaign across the U.S. encouraging citizens to join the war effort by planting what were called victory gardens. These served as a way to bolster civilian morale and to help feed communities. It was an ingenious campaign. In times of crisis, we all yearn to be of service. Glenwood decided to borrow from this model and adapt it for our modern-day disaster. The Kew Garden idea was one of them and really stemmed from reading about and knowing um, that people were becoming very inspired to grow their own food, but sometimes lacking the knowledge or the resources of how to do that, like first-time home gardeners. And so there's been a, a number of organizations throughout the U.S. that have been resourcing those first-time growers or, or lapsed growers or growers that just could use a little bit more advice. And we just thought with the resources that we have here in terms of the knowledge that we have in our farmers on site that we could we could help people who are interested in, in growing their own food. So we, we partnered with an, an organization called Land to Learn that typically does school gardens. And, you know, it's a very simple idea. We built 10 raised bed gardens and we gathered the kind of a starter kit of compost and soil and seeds and put together a guide and delivered that to organizations and individuals that wanted to get started. So they have a way to ask our farmer for advice as they uh, grow their garden. No experience necessary, really. We ended up, a lot of the beds went to um, organizations that are housing youth. So an all-women's organization where the young women are taking care of the gardens and similarly a school for boys, middle school, that are taking care of the garden. And then some families. This project is in early stages, but the response has been very positive. In addition to supporting Hudson Valley residents with building their own vegetable gardens, Glenwood is tapping into their network of small farms for both wisdom and produce. Right now, we're getting increased attention and energy around the pretty disparate worlds of hunger relief organizations in our area and the local regional farming movement. So... For a number of reasons, it's really hard to to get fresh food from farms to those relief organizations. Distribution, keeping that food fresh. The farms that we represent are typically small to mid-sized farm operations, and they don't have the budget to donate that food So um, because they're working so close to the margins anyway, which is how most hunger relief organizations get food is through donations. So we looked at all of those problems and essentially what we did is created a mechanism where we can pay farmers upfront for the season to grow for those hunger relief organizations by raising philanthropic dollars 
to pay the farmers and then figuring out a whole host of ways to get that food into those organizations. So I think that the important message with that work is that typically we rely on farmers donating food for the fresh component of those of, of, of feeding folks in need. And that has to change. We need to pay our farmers to help feed our communities. There is a lot of work to be done to address inequality when it comes to food access. As Kathleen put it, Food insecurity doesn't go away when COVID goes away. Perhaps the initiatives born out of crisis will create a model for effective and sustainable progress in this area. I mean, you know, growing your own food is like one of the most sovereign things you can do for you and your family. After the break, we're going to hear from another group of farmers and gardeners who are sharing knowledge with at-home planters looking to grow their own food. This episode is brought to you by Appeal. Here at HRN, we care about reducing waste across our food system, from farms to home kitchens. We know that about half of the produce we grow ends up in the trash. We all want to enjoy produce at peak freshness and reduce the amount that gets thrown away. That's where Appeal comes in. Appeal is a plant-based protective layer that helps produce last up to twice as long. It's edible, invisible, and imitates how peels naturally protect fruits and vegetables. Because here's the thing. Less waste doesn't just mean we're throwing less food away. It also means we waste less water, energy, and other resources that go into growing produce. Appeal works with nature to reduce waste across the food system from the farm to the kitchen. Appeal helps us conserve our precious resources to ensure we have fresh food to meet our growing need. Appeal. Food gone good. Learn more at appeal.com. Welcome back to The Big Food Question. I'm Hannah Forden. Today, we're asking, how can gardening address issues of food sovereignty and access? Greetings, peace and blessings, family. My name is Leah Penniman from Soulfire Farm. I use all pronouns, and we are so excited to welcome you back for season two of Ask a Sister Farmer. We are dedicated to the memory of our ancestral grandmothers who braided seeds and promise into their hair before being forced to board transatlantic slave ships. Our ancestors believed against odds in the future of tilling and reaping on soil, and they believed that we, their descendants, would exist to inherit that seed. We carry on that legacy through the idea that to free ourselves, we must feed ourselves. So first Fridays every month, we bring together Black women, trans and non-binary farmers, growers, earth lovers to talk about just that. How do we work together with the sacred earth to feed and heal our communities? Leah Penniman of Soulfire Farm in New York's capital region is a leader and inspiration in the world of grassroots farming and food sovereignty. We just heard a clip from her video series, Ask a Sista Farmer, which offers practical advice for growing your own food. These videos are free to anyone via Soulfire's Facebook. And I am so, so honored and excited uh, to be here with Julia Lynn Walker of Bronzeville Agri Academy and many more organizations. And we're going to be talking about a bunch of cool stuff today. We'll talk about 
urban growers. We'll talk about connecting African-American growing traditions in today's environment and diaspora foods for all. What I want to briefly share with you is what we call a vertical model of integration with urban farming. And it really starts at the basic level where we say, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy entry and that's knowledge acquisition. How can I learn? So the Bronzeville Agri-Academy is online and anyone can tap in on any of our sessions. We've had from seven years old to 70 years old. And then we think it's important that where we grow and individually in our homes, that we are strengthened when we're able to work collectively. And so I really began to develop a community garden that was attached to the church that my great, my grandmother and great aunts helped to found over 100 years ago. And that has served a community lunch program for about 15 years. And I now mentor, supervise 14 individual family gardens and four community gardens that are for the most part located on the near east side of Columbus, Ohio, in what we all understand in terms of food injustice is a food desert and a food swamp. If you've never grown your own food, it can be intimidating to start. For those of us who didn't inherit family knowledge of farming and cultivation, the virtual world and leaders like Julia Lin allow us to tap into ancestral and communal knowledge. I was sharing with people that for whatever reason, this year, really the past two weeks, I've had my first crop of black eyed peas. Now, why did I wait so long? I don't know, but black eyed peas actually come from West Africa. And it's one of the crops that has sustained us in many different ways. And again, people who are from West Africa or have spent time in West Africa know the versatility of the black eyed pea, whether you know it's used to make moi moi or akara, or it's used as straight peas in soup or, you know, and then for here, what would be New Year's without black eyed peas? And, 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 and is it difficult to do? And I'm like, no, this is one of the easiest crops I've ever grown. It gave me no problem, no insects, no problem whatsoever. And so now people are enthusiastic and are looking forward to growing their own black eyed peas. We've got an expert grower right here in our community at HRN. Carmen DeVito is a garden designer and garden maker in New York City. She's also the co-host of our podcast, We Dig Plants. Carmen brings her family farming wisdom to the public in a few different ways. I was uh, born in Italy and I come from a big farming family. Many, many, many generations of my family were farmers and also sort of animal husbandry experts. So my family had sheep and goats and cows in Italy. Um, And my dad and my mom and I came to the United States in the 1960s. And even though we weren't farming anymore, we uh, always gardened. In the early days of COVID, Carmen launched a video series on HRN's Instagram with delightful and approachable advice and techniques on at-home gardening. I was kind of like a little bit frightened, but still excited at the same time. And I decided to focus on my own garden because that's where I was. And that's kind of where everybody was. They were at home, you know? Um, So there I was in Brooklyn and it was the early part of the season and I was just getting my garden started. So I kind of just leaned into that and said, I'm gonna share what I'm doing. 
and try to inspire, you know, people who are stuck at home, first time gardeners, even some experienced gardeners and share my, my process this year of how I'm going to make my garden, what I'm going to grow to eat and to use. And that's really the genesis of it. I asked Carmen if she had any advice for listeners of the big food question who might be ready to start planting. Even if you have a tiny windowsill or um, a, a really tiny balcony, you can do a lot of things in pots. And I think one of the most important things is to learn about your zone. The USDA has created these zones for the entire United States and they go from zone one to zone 13. So one of the great things, we have so much information that's for free. So they're a good way, a good place to start to learn about what works in your region and how to grow. And then just start with good soil. That's like the most important thing that I can say, whether you're growing in the ground or in a pot. If you don't start with good soil, all your efforts could be in vain. You know, you don't want to just like if you're putting things into containers, you don't want to just dig up soil from the garden. You don't know what you're putting in. You don't know what's in there, especially in urban spaces. A lot of soil is contaminated with lead and other toxins. This episode is coming out in mid-October, but just because the weather might be getting chillier, that doesn't mean growing food has to stop. I love fall. I think it's the best season of the year um, because things are mellowing. People are kind of easing. It's not as intense. You're not leading into summer. So fall is a great time to grow things. It's a, it's a time to harvest and to like move indoors, but it's also still a great time for planting. And if you're in the Northeast, and even in the Southeast, a little bit later, you can still plant things in the ground. Garlic, onions, all kinds of greens, you can get a second season from them. And so you don't have to stop gardening outside just yet if you don't want to. However, if you only have indoor space or very limited outdoor space and you kind of want to bring it inside, one of the things that you can do is take cuttings. So that means like, for example, if if your basil is still doing really well, rather than bringing the whole basil plant in, Um, because probably by now it's looking a little bit sad and tired. You can take cuttings, which means snipping off the best parts of the plant and rooting them in either water or soil. And what you're basically doing is making a carbon copy of the mother plant. There's a few herbs that I think do well inside if you have sunny, a sunny, bright, warm window. And those two are thyme and rosemary. So what I like to do is uh, if the plant's grown really well and it's beautiful and they don't root as easily as basil, I take it out of its pot. I kind of shake off most of the soil. I trim the roots and I put it into a smaller pot and I kind of soak it really well outside to kind of rinse out anything that might be funky in there. And then I spray it down with water. I check it for insects and then I bring it inside. And I usually do this like kind of around Halloween for our area, which is uh, USDA zone seven, New York city and the kind of surrounding area. Um, a good time to do that is like right before Halloween.
There's a cornucopia of resources out there if you want to explore a new hobby, feed your family and neighbors, or get closer to the plants that feed you. Check out Soulfire Farm on Facebook and Instagram, where previous episodes of Ask a Sista Farmer are available to view. You can find Carmen's videos on HRN's Instagram. They're all saved to our IGTV. Drop down the menu where it says Series and select Gardening with Carmen. To learn more about the many resources offered by the Glenwood Center, check out their website. We'll put links to all of this in our show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Check back often as we address critical questions for eaters, operators, and workers across food topics and business sectors. If you have questions you'd like the show to answer, email us at question at heritageradionetwork.org. Special thanks this episode to Leah Penniman and Soulfire Farm for sharing audio from their video series, Ask Assist a Farmer. Thanks also to Kathleen Finlay and the Glenwood Center and Carmen DeVito. The Big Food Question is produced by Katie Mosman-Wadler, Kat Johnson, Dylan Hoyer, Matt Patterson, Luke Griffin, Jenny Dorsey, and me, Hannah Forden. This episode was executive produced by Dylan Hoyer and me. Our audio engineer is Kevin Chang-Barnum. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Big Food Question is powered by Symbolcast. The content of the series is provided for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. You should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this content. This project is funded in part by a Humanities New York CARES grant with the support of the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Federal CARES Act. This program is also supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. The Big Food Question is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.